Genesis 12, the, uh, the whole, the whole storyline is about to change. Genesis 11, we saw that last week. It, uh, the Tower of Babel, the spreading out of the nations. We saw the Table of Nations in chapter 10 where he talks about the different countries where these people were spread to. And the Tower of Babel was how they were spread. You know, God came down and confused their language and spread them out. Well, that is pretty much the last time in the Old Testament that God uh, is going to deal with the world as, an, as, uh, as a whole people group at one time. Uh, that's not necessarily true, uh, but that's the last time God deals with, quote-unquote, the nations until Christ comes. Um, he, from this point on, from chapter 12 on, he is going to deal with one man, and one man alone, and then from the family of that one man. Who is the one man? Abraham. Abram. Abram. And we're going to call him Abraham, and his name changes to Abraham later. But you're going to hear me call him Abraham all the time. His, his name's Abram right here, but he changes his name to Abraham. So whether I say Abram or Abraham, we're talking, about this, we're talking about the same guy. And so basically what we've seen is that the world has gotten all messed up again, hasn't it? Remember what happened? I'm going to just give you a quick overview if you hadn't been with us, just so you get something out of today. Um, God created to... You know, the world was good. It was perfect. Adam and Eve fell. And then he, he gave a promise of a seed. And he had one line that was going to be the seed of the woman that was going to come forth and crush the head of the serpent. And that's the line that Jesus comes from, is that line, seed of the woman. And there was a seed of the serpent that was always going to be fighting against that line, always going to be fighting against God's people. And what we saw in Genesis 6 was those lines got mixed up as they were intermarrying with one another. And God flooded the world and just killed everything and everyone. And he started over with Noah and Noah's three sons. Well, Noah's three sons turned into all those nations that we saw in Genesis chapter 10. And what happened? They all got together like the, like we you know, like we saw in the chapter 6. And they started to collectively rebel against God again. And instead of destroying them with a the flood, he comes down and scatters them confuses their languages, scatters them. So now, really the world looks kind of like it did before. Not exactly like it did before the flood, but it's all messed up again. And now the languages are different. People are still rebellious against God. How are we going to fix this? How are, what are we going to do? God kind of sets all that to the side and he focuses in on one man and he calls this man named Abram. And basically what we're going to see, to give you a quick overview of it, is we're going to see that he makes Abram this promise. I'm going to make a nation out of you. And then later he's going to say, you're going to be the father of many nations. And then he says, the world is going to be blessed through you. We're going to see that that is the, uh, not the first gospel proclamation, but it is a gospel proclamation to Abram. We'll see that. Is there any questions before we start? Did y'all, y'all get the outline? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. You don't have to read that for the deal, but it helps. Okay. It says verse, verse one, it says, now the Lord has said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Now, last thing we saw, remember the chapter 11, the last part of chapter 11 is this big, long genealogy, genealogy of Shem, which is the godly line. It says so-and-so birthed so-and-so, and so-and-so had so-and-so, and they had this many kids, and then they birthed, and finally it got down to a man named Terah, 
And then his son, he had two sons, Abram and Haran, and they had, Haran had a, a lot. And so now he takes one of his sons named Abram and he calls him. And it's almost, it's funny to me, I mean, he doesn't really tell him anything, does he? He comes to him and he says, hey, Abram, how's it going? I'm God. <laughs> Get out of your country. Come away from your family. Come away from your kindred and your, your people. And he doesn't even tell him where to go. He just says, go. He says, and I'll show you. I'll show you the land that I want you to be at. I guess I'll show you when you get there or I'll show you on the way. You know, back when GPS things in your car first came out, you had to be careful using them deals. I mean, I want all the directions from beginning to end in front of me so I can see them. Because if you just go turn left here, turn left there, there's no telling where you end up, you know. Now, I mean, they're pretty reliable now. But basically, he told, he told Abram, he says, I want you to go. I want you to leave your family, your kindred. Remember at those times, people weren't like we are today. They traveled with their family, their extended family. And they, there was security there. There was prosperity there. There was all of these things with your family. And basically, he was telling Abram, I want you to leave everything you know for something that's unknown. And we're going to see that Abram, Abram did that. Leave the known for the unknown. You don't have to turn there. But in Hebrews chapter, I mean, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, let me read it to you. If I still have it. They still have Hebrews in the Bible? I think it's still there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, it says, By faith, Abram, when he was called to go out into a place which he should therefore receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. So why did Abram go? How did Abram go? By faith. By faith. What kind of faith? If God, if God spoke to you today and says, Okay, I want you to leave your family, your house, your everything, and I want you to go not, you know, we, we think like, I want you to go to Texas, or I want you to go to Montana, or I want you, but just say, I want you to get on I-40 and head east, and I'll tell you where to stop. I mean, how much faith would it take to say, okay, oh. like, where, how am I going to get gas? Oh, I'll tell you when you need it. Oh I mean, that's the kind of faith we're talking about. We're talking about, we're talking about, I mean, it's almost like, uh, I, I want to say, not even get in your car. Like, just hit, start walking. Put your stuff in a deal and start walking down I-40. I mean, it would take, it would take some faith. It would probably be pretty irresponsible if you tried to do that, really. But Abram is called by God just out of nowhere. Abram is not a righteous man. He is, we'll see this later, his people from Ur of the Chaldees were moon worshipers. I mean, they were pagans. They were idolaters. Joshua says, when he says, choose you this day who you're going to serve in Joshua, he says, you can choose the gods of your fathers. He's talking about the gods of Abraham and the people of Ur of the Chaldees. He's talking about those gods. These were idolaters. These were pagans. These were not righteous people. Abram, there's, no, there's absolutely no reason for God to have chosen Abram. He's not good. He's not special. He's not anything. And it, there's no reason given. God, just by grace, comes to Abram and says, Look, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to pull you out of your family. I'm going to pull you out of your country. You go to this land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. And, of course, we know that nation is going to bring forth the Messiah who is, the, who is going to be the fulfillment of all those promises. Everybody got that? Mm -hmm. Y'all are real quiet. Anything? 
No questions, comments, I cries of outrage? Okay. There's no stupid questions. Do you think the do you think the Lord just audibly talked to him? I think so, yes. I do. I do think I mean, he did. He, sometimes you know you feel like the Lord's telling you to do something and you think, Well, maybe it's just me, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean he would actually have to tell me, get on I forty and drive here. I mean, you know yeah, he doesn't tell me to. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Um I think he spoke to him audibly. Now, it, the Lord's going to speak to you today. Audibly, though, maybe. I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. But since he's given us his word, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, um, in, in diverse manners, in, in, in sundry times, in diverse manners, God, in times past, spoke through the prophets. He's now spoken to us through his son. I mean, I have audibly heard God tell me to do something. Like in your ear? Yes. Like when I quit smoking, the last cigarette I smoked, he told me the last one you ever smoke will be right here, and you will never want another one. He audibly told yes. you? Yes. Really? Did you yes. ever want another no. one? No. Never even I wanted another one? I can't stand to be around it, and that's what I prayed. I mean, I told him what I wanted. I want you to take it away. Never hmm. want me to have another one. I don't even want to be around it. I can't. I don't want to enjoy it i don't want it, nothing and nine years ago i never wanted another one i mean it's a great testimony for me no i'm laughing at her now i know she's heard it a thousand yeah. times I know I have. <laughs> you know but yes I, I do believe he audibly talks to him i just wondered yeah well you're gonna how... see him speak to abram in a lot of different ways he's gonna abram's gonna have a dream he's gonna he's gonna say the lord called him the lord spoke to him the lord's going to appear to abraham at right before sodom and gomorrah the lord and and uh two uh two angels are going to appear as people you know to to abram so he he came to him a lot of different ways um he told him to get out and this is the promise he says i will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And verse 3 says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, these are some very important verses. Okay? I know I, I'm kind of I'm kind of tired from the stew, and we went to the deal last night. So if I'm just kind of boring, please look over that to understand what's being said here. Because this is very, very important. It says, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he says, I'm going to bless you. Actually, there are two commands given in those two verses. And there are three promises with each command. The first command is in verse 1. Get out. You know, go get away from your family, your kindred, your country. And these are the three promises. Number one, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Number two, I'm going to bless you. And number three, and, and I will make your name great. Now we're going to stop right there just for a moment. It says, it says, I'm going to, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, in order for him to be a nation, what's got to happen first? Got to have a kid. Remember what it said about Sarah in verse chapter 10? Right. Chapter 10, verse 30. Sarah was barren. She's not going to have a kid. So that's a pretty intense promise if you're Abram. That you're gonna you're gonna be a great nation. Well, how's that gonna happen? We're gonna see the intrigue of all, of it all as we we walk through it. Um, but he's gonna make a nation from him. He's going to bless him. He said, "I'll bless you." Um, it's not really explained here. It could be you know prosperity. We're gonna see Abram prosper a, a, a lot. But we also see that he Abram is gonna be in covenant relationship with God. 
uh, through the entirety of his life. God is going to make a covenant with Abram, and he is going to keep that covenant even when Abram's stupidity tries to get in the way, even before this chapter's over. You know, that would be me as, you know, in, in my own head is Abram never said, why me? Why, why aren't you choosing me for all of this? <laughs> no, it just says he by faith took yeah. up and went. Because I would, I'd be like, why, why me? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't answer that question. Um, but even before this chapter's over, I almost did the whole chapter in one lesson. But before this chapter's over, Abram's sin and his stupidity gets in the way of. It almost looks like Abram's own stupidity is going to keep God's promise from being fulfilled, and God has to step in and and fix it so that the covenant remains intact so that the promise remains uh remains able to be fulfilled and so he is going to bless him he is going to bless him there's we're going to see over and over again in the sons of Jacob in the brothers of Joseph they're going to do their hearts are going to do everything they possibly can sinfully stupidly to, to derail the promises of God, even though they're really not meaning to. They're just wicked. They're just sinners. And their sin is going to be the biggest obstacle of God fulfilling his promise. And we're going to see over and over again God stepping in, taking over, and saying, no, no, this is not going to happen. And he is pre preserving that promise. Even through stuff like Joseph's brothers beating him and throwing him in a pit. They were going to kill him, but uh, you know, Reuben steps in and says, no, we're just going to sell him. And they end up selling him. At the end of that whole story, when, when Joseph is now head in Egypt and his brothers come to him and they're crying for thinking Joseph's going to kill him, Joseph said, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good to keep many people alive. So even through the stupidity and the sinfulness of their hearts, God is going to keep his covenant. He is going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his word. And there's nothing that heaven and earth can do. There's no power of hell that can come against, uh, come against that promise and prevail. Everybody with me? Understand? Okay. Uh, so he says, I'm gonna, those are command. Get out, three promises. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And it says, and thou shalt be a blessing. That in Hebrew is an imperative. That's a command. That's not just a promise. Uh, you will be a blessing. Of course, it is a promise. I mean, he is going to be a blessing. But that's a responsibility. It's in the imperative, in the imperative mood, which means it's a command. You will. It's the same thou shalt that the Ten Commandments are. Thou shalt not have other gods before thee. Thou shalt not cover, covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt be a blessing. It's the same thou shalt. Same kind of thou shalt as you see in the Ten Commandments. That's a command. So Abram is not just laying back on his morals saying, you know, God bless me. Ooh, I'm good. You know, God didn't bless him just to get in the recliner uh, and just hang out. He's required. He is given a command to be a blessing. And then there's three promises attached to that. He said, I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you. He says, I'm going to curse everybody that curses you. And it says, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. If you have a pen, if you follow along, you need to underline that verse right there. In thee all families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see it right there? Everybody say yes, I see it right there. In thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, write Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 and 9 right next to that verse. I'm going to read that to you. If, 
if I can find it. You know, it'd be, it'd be good for me to get all these looked up before I come into class. This is Paul in Galatians. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. It says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, and he quotes what we just read, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, verse 9 says, They which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Do you see what he just said? Everybody with me? Y'all with me? Um, it's, it's not exactly an exact quote in English because he's quoting the, the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, and ours is translated from the Hebrew, which is the same verse, though. He says, Paul quotes that verse, and he says, this was God preaching the gospel to Abram. Do you see what it says? And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. So when we see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, that's not just, hey, everybody's going to get a blessing to you. Good job, Abraham. That's the gospel. That's the foretelling of the gospel coming through Abraham. How did the gospel come through Abraham? How did all the families of the earth get blessed through faithful Abraham? Yeah. Abraham's great, 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 great grandson, Jesus. And with this introducing Abram, Abraham. Abram, yeah. Is this the beginning? Of the Jewish nation as we know it. As we know it today, um, I don't think the Jewish nation of the Old Testament is the Jewish nation as we know it today. But yes, he is going to be the father of that nation. When he said, I'm going to make a great nation of you, that's what he was talking about. He was talking about Israel. Okay. Then in verse 3, it says, I'm blessing the blessing and that, that if we bless the Jewish nation, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem mm-hmm. that will receive blessings this way. Alright, do you want me to answer truthfully or do you want me to just tell you? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. I knew you were going to say that. I, but not that I don't. Not that I don't. Listen, I am pro Jerusalem, pro Israel. That's the only democracy over there. That's the only ally that we have over there. But they do not trust in Christ. They deny Christ. And so I take that from Scripture. I'm not just going to give you my viewpoint. In Galatians, where we're reading, where we just read, God, uh, Paul quoted Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. In that same chapter, Galatians chapter 3, let me read you verse 14. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. It says... Uh, well, let me start at 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. So that the blessing of Abraham, which is what we're talking about in Genesis chapter 12, might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then in verse 29 of that same chapter, Paul kind of culminates his argument. 
He says in verse 28, let me start in 28. He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ. And here's the culmination of his argument in verse 29. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So according to Paul, it's those who are in Jesus Christ who have hold of the promise made to Abraham. And this promise is what we're talking about here in Genesis chapter 12. So whether you're Jew, Gentile, whether you're slave, free, we're talking about when he says, I'll curse those that curse you, I'll bless those that bless you, he's talking about Abraham's seed, Abraham's people. And Paul tells us in Galatians that those who are in Christ are Abraham's seed. Doesn't Jesus teach us the same thing in Matthew 25? He says, what did he say? He says, uh, you know, come into the presence of the Lord. He says, because when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And they said, well, when did we do that? And he said, when you did to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Amen. And then he said to the other ones, he said, and you goats, you go away to everlasting punishment. Because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And when I was thirsty, you didn't give me none to drink. And you didn't clothe me. And they said, when do we see you? And he says, when you didn't do it for these, the least of my brethren, you didn't do it unto me. So you need to be, we need to be real careful. Um, let's put it this way. Jesus Christ is my dividing line. When I go to talking about, quote unquote, the people of God, not the people of God. Jesus Christ is the dividing line. Those who have Jesus Christ, I don't care what nation they come from, I don't care what, those are Abraham's seed. Those are the people of God. Whoever is in Jesus Christ, those who are not in Jesus Christ, who deny Jesus Christ, are not part of this promise, according to the Apostle Paul, who himself was a Jewish person. Okay? Y'all with me? Everybody good? Nobody's throwing tomatoes? Okay. All right. You just need, we need to be, you need, I, I pray, I pray for peace for Israel for sure, because everybody deserves to live. They don't deserve to have people blowing stuff up in their, you know, in your backyard and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you go, if you go and you meet some of y'all, there's a, I used to have a friend that works in a place in Memphis and he, he works for a lot of, I mean, these are Orthodox Jewish guys. They weren't just. They weren't just Jewish, hey, I'm Jewish. They were like practicing the deal. And they absolutely denied Jesus Christ. Nothing to do with it. Y'all are, are blaspheming by saying Jesus. That's not my brother. I'm sorry. Those who are in Jesus Christ are, are my brothers and my sisters. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. So, that aside... Uh, so he says, this is the gospel. So when we're talking about Genesis, when we're reading through Genesis, we need to have our eyes on Jesus Christ. That's what Genesis is about. It's not just about, hey, this is Abram, and he's an old guy, and he, you know, he did all this stuff, and you know, whatever. It's not just about that. It's about the gospel. It's about the story of God bringing the redemption of mankind. Paul quoted this verse in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, and said, This is the gospel preached to Abraham. Before there ever was uh, Israel, before there was Jacob and his 12 sons, before there was any of that, God preached the gospel. The gospel was foretold through Abraham. It would, it would come to pass and it would be. So God's got his eyes 
He's got his eyes in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, on who? He says, in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Who do you think he's talking about when he says that all the nations of the earth? I mean, I know he means all the nations of the earth. But when you think about that today, you're thinking about, you know, China and Iraq and Israel and Australia. Yeah, I think he's talking about the Gentiles. Well, that is who he's talking about. But remember, the chapter before 11... What, did it, what was that whole chapter? We really skipped it, didn't we? We didn't even read it. He confused the languages. He confused the languages and then he just lists. This people went to this land and this people is... And he just... We kind of skipped over the genealogy. But he lists the nations. It's 70 of them. They went to this country and this is the sons of whoever. And this is the son. In chapter 10, it's just this big long genealogy of the nations. So here he says, look... I'm going to push all that to the side. These are all the nations. They're confused. They're spread out. They're scattered. I'm going to focus on one man, and he's going to be my mediator. I'm going to bring the blessing to the nations from this one man and his seed. Everybody see that? Mm -hmm. So even here in Genesis 12, where God turns the focus on Abraham, he's still got an eye to all of these people, all of these nations. I'm going to bless all of these nations through you, Abraham. I'm going to bless the entire world, all these Gentiles, all these people in all these countries. I'm going to bless them through you. And Paul takes that blessing and applies that to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? Yeah. Everybody? Nobody confused? Okay. Good. I thought I was confusing myself here for a minute. And says, so Abraham, this is what he did. Me, I would have said, huh, I ain't going nowhere. I'm comfortable. Abraham departed. Verse 4. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot is his nephew. In chapter uh, 11, it says, uh, Lot is Abram's brother, Haran's son. So Lot is his nephew. Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. That's the city, Haran, not the brother. Um, okay, so you and I were talking about just heading down I-40. Would it make any difference in your decision if you were 75 when he said go? <laughs> Come on now, be honest. Y'all know y'all lying. Yeah, but how actually young was that? Abram lived to be 175. Yeah. So he's, he's more than middle age. You know, well, I guess he's middle age. I guess. What are you laughing at? <laughs> But still, 75 years is 75 years. I mean, he's an old dude. You know, he just lit. I mean, not if y'all... Okay, wait a minute. I didn't just... See, I 75 is young. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any 75-year-olds, y'all doing good. I'm just saying... Okay. Abraham... Abraham departed as... Okay. And he left. He was 75 years old when he departed. He took Sarah, his wife. Interestingly enough, God's not going to give Abraham a son until he's 99. So God left, I mean, Abram left, he left his father, Terah's house at 75, and he goes off into the land that God's going to show him, and it is, it's 24 years later when God finally does what he said he was going to do. 24 years, yes sir? What were they doing to live so long? Well, they, actually, lifespans were going down now. We talked about in, in Genesis 6, 7. What's the difference? What was, what's that, that's a big difference. Well, Have they ever figured that out? Well, we've got some theories, but I can't tell you for sure, for a fact. 
you know, there's there we there, we talked about the genetics. How we 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 don't live long because we have mutations in our genes and all that. That wasn't the case with Adam and Eve. And of course, it progressively grew as the generations went on. And you're gonna see you see lifespans going down, 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 down. Adam lived a thousand years, Methuselah nine hundred something. Then you go to six hundred, five hundred, and now you get to Abram. It's only a hundred and seventy-five, and you're gonna see that. Uh, Think something in the water. <laughs> Maybe so. It's it's lots of theories about why. It's lots of theories about why. But I mean, we could talk about them, but I can't prove any of them. I can't prove any of them. And so, um, it makes it kind of really hard to believe it. Really? So you? Yeah. That that's kind of the least of my, huh? Do you know anybody that lived 199 years? Yeah, but I've never seen God create out of nothing either. Right. But still. I mean, if. If God can, if God can create light by speaking, I mean, believing somebody lived 175 years ain't that ain't that big a deal for me. I mean, let there be light, and there was. There's something else. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big deal for me. Let there be. If I can believe God can raise me from the dead, that's that's. I, I can pretty much believe. I can believe 175 years. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's raised, being raised from the dead. That's a pretty big thing. That's a pretty big thing. Maybe because I agree. I agree. Do you think it was maybe because people weren't as faithful to God back then? I mean, you know, in in this later time. Well, you, know, you the time before they were all, you know, really, really, really close to God. I mean, do you? Maybe so. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't have the answer. The best I can do is tell you that practically, from a practical standpoint, if you're going to repopulate the earth from from one family, you bet you best be living a good while because it's going to take a while. You know what I mean? It's going to take a good while. It's going to take a while. And so, uh, where am I at? Where am I at? That's all I've got is five? Yes. Okay, and Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they went. So where are they going? They're going into the people's land that God cursed in chapter in chapter 9. Remember? Or chapter 10. They're going into the cursed land. Can you imagine when Abram found out where he was going? I'm going where? <laughs> I'm going to the curse deal. And so Abram goes and he passed through. The last few verses are his travels. He passed through the land of the place of Shechem is how it's pronounced. Where We're going to see that city over and over again in Genesis. The plain of Moriah and the Canaanite. And it says, and the Canaanite was then in the land. It almost sticks that at the end of verse 6 to say, and he wasn't alone. I mean, I, I can't prove this, but it almost seems like it seems like Abram thought, you know, God's going to give me a land, and so I'm going to go, and I'm just going to take it. And there's nobody going to be there. I'm just going to go to this new land. Let's go to this new land. And when he gets there, it's all these pagans there, you know, and they're really not going to give up their land just so easy. And they're the the uh, doing their thing, the Canaanites in the land. He is going to have to travel through this land. And what we're going to see is Abram starts building altars as he's moving. And it's almost like he's worshiping God. It says, And Abram passed through Shechem, plain of Moriah, and the Canaanite was in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram in this time when he realizes there's Canaanites in the land. And he reaffirms his promise. He says, Unto thy seed will I give this land. I can imagine Abram thinking, um, How is this going to work? 
I mean, I don't really understand how this is going to, I mean, I'm, I'm one guy, 75 years old. I got my nephew, I got my wife, I got, you know, some of the people that came with me and all of these Canaanites are in the land. And I mean, are you sure? It's almost like God's reaffirming his promise. Yes, to your seed, I'm going to give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence to the mountain to the east. This is his travels to Bethel. Pitched his tent, having Bethel to the west. And, uh, and Ai is, is the city. That's the same city next to Jericho. On the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. And called upon the name of the Lord. And then he journeyed south. And it goes all the way. Basically what you're doing. If I showed you a map. Abraham came in through the top from Mesopotamia, the top of Israel, and he journeyed straight south all the way to the very southern border of the land of Canaan. And as he went, he went from this place to this place. He would build an altar to God. It's almost like, I mean, those were places of worship, and he was calling upon the name of the Lord as he was worshiping. It's almost like he's planting his, he's planting flags for Yahweh, for the, the God that has called upon him as he goes down to, uh, down through this place. And what we're going to see is this, I mean, you would think this would be the end of the story. Abram, I want you to go, and I want you to go take this land, and I'm going to give you this land. We're going to have promise fulfilled, seed, everything's going to be fine. Praise God. The Bible's 12 chapters long. Close the book, it's over. That's what you would expect. I mean, that's what's going to happen. It's probably what Abram expects. But when he gets to the land, in verse, this is where we're going to start next week, in, in verse uh, 11, or verse 10, it says, And there was a famine in the land. Now, Abram, God specifically told Abram, I want you to leave. And I want you to go to this land that I'm going to show you. And when he got to that land that God showed him, this is where I want you to be. Abram probably was doubting, probably wondering. And God came to him again and said, This is the right land. And to this land, I'm going to give this land to your seed. And when Abram got to where he was going, he settled back. And all of a sudden, there's a famine. Wait a minute, God. You brought me here for a famine? I mean, you brought me here so, so, that, I would, so, that, I would be, so that I would starve to death, right? We're going to see next week as we talk about it. This is where we see Abram's not the perfect guy that we're kind of making him out to be. He's going to journey off to Egypt to find bread. Uh, there's some debate about whether that was sinful in and of itself. I, I think it was. Uh, but we're going to see him sin greatly while he is in Egypt. And almost to the point where it puts the promise in jeopardy. And God is going to have to step in. God is going to have to. God is going to have to mend what Abraham's what Abram messes up. And so the point that I'm, the point that I want you to see in this first this first section of Genesis 12 is that the gospel has already been promised. It was promised in Genesis 3. It's reaffirmed here in Genesis 12. This is about the gospel. This is not just about Abraham and his travels. This is not just about Father Abraham. Y'all know the song. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And who are they? I am one of them. And so are you. And yeah, let's all praise the Lord. And so this is, this is about the gospel. This is about us having access to the promise that was made to Abraham through Jesus Christ. Okay? Questions? Comments? Cries of outrage? Man, he just picks these men and... 
and most of them were really yeah i mean they really have to completely and that's the one thing i love about the bible is that he picks some imperfect jokers too. That's right. I mean, it, it's relatable. And Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. I disciples? Mean, he went to, the, to the, just the regular Joe and said, you going to take up all your stuff and just leave it and come on. Yeah. And Abram is, he is, he is held up as, in the New Testament, he's held up as the example of faith. Yeah. I mean, Paul talks about him by faith, you know, uh, in, in Romans chapter 4. Uh, he's talked about all through the New Testament as the example of faith. Well, in the end of chapter 12, the next section, you're going to see that Abraham grew into that faith because he didn't have it right from the beginning. I'll just give you the heads up if you want to read it. I'll send you the outline over the week. But Abram is, he, he, they find, they go to this, they have a famine. And so he runs down to Egypt and he's so terrified that God won't protect him that he basically tells his wife, who is also really his sister, half-sister, he says, tell them that you're my sister, and that way it'll it'll go well with me, you know. And he didn't, I don't think he expected it, but they come and got her. And she ended up in Pharaoh's harem, you know. And so we'll explain all that next week. But do you see, God promised him a son. God promised him a nation. Well, not unless you got a... Not unless, you know, not unless Sarah's your wife, you ain't going to have a nation. I mean, the promise is in jeopardy right there. And God, of course, God's going to intervene. He's going to no, 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 no. This is not going to happen. And he intervenes to preserve that promise. God's, this whole, this whole rest of this book is going to be focused on Abraham's family and the obstacles that they have to, that God has to mend, be it their faith or enemies or whatever that tries to keep that promise from happening. It's the same battle you saw from the very beginning. The line of the seed battling against the line of the serpent. All the way to the gospel. Okay? Y'all good? No questions? It's really the same thing that we battle with today is obedience. Yeah, and the difference is we have the fulfillment in the background, knowing that it's a done deal. We don't have to worry about it. We, we, we've seen the entire plan and purpose as far as the gospel is concerned, and we can trust in the promise that we have. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. All the youth are like, man, what a cure for insomnia. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've given us. God, we just ask that you would be with us as we, um, as we go into worship. And that you would uh, that you would prepare our hearts for the message that Brother Eddie is going to bring to us, and we 